Oh, welcome back, everyone. Welcome to episode three of the new book, X80750 Errata. Remember, if you like the story, it's available on Amazon.com and at www.osuz504.tech. That's osuz504.tech. And be sure to check out Ozzy's new long-running story of the week posted on the homepage for your viewing pleasure. If you are reading that story, uh, Ozzy sends its regrets. Lots of stuff happening. It's going to med school. It's getting a new job. It's quitting the old job. There's stuff happening. So anyway, it hasn't gotten around to actually like writing anything because of reasons. So you're stuck with me and uh, reading what has already been written. So let's begin. After quiet time in the bathroom, a new uniform, and a couple strong cups of coffee, he was back in reasonable shape, sort of. Mac had crawled off to the pit to lick his wounds and left his newest second class, tapping her foot expectantly, waiting for an assignment. His brain still didn't want to function at speed. It was more like a trudge, and the girl in front of him was expecting Mach 1. He eased himself gently into his chair and said, Thank you, Engineer Second Class, for your patience. I wholeheartedly apologize for the nature of your welcome. Please be assured that your presence is deeply appreciated. We need your expertise. He let out his breath in relief when his head didn't explode with the talking. She didn't say anything, sitting across from him, with an alertness that annoyed him in principle. Ugh, very well. He brought up the hollow pad with the command to his avatar and saw the swirling desert reflected in false color gradations in the 3D image rotating over his desk. The same one Ido had shown him a year ago. Jared shuddered a little inside. Fucking Ido. If you will please direct your attention to the planet. He closed his eyes and tried to channel his thoughts into the structure of FM3321, standard for the transformation of D-class planets, threatening atmosphere. The field manual, currently stuffed full of markers and notes that didn't make any sense to him. The previous major had done most of the marking and note-taking, but since the old guy had committed suicide just a few weeks before Jared's taking command, he got the heebie-jeebies from touching the stupid thing. He probably should request a new one. He cleared his throat. <clears throat> this is a D-type planet, ellipsoid, set 26-hour day, 2% wobble from pole to pole, Atmosphere is primarily carbon dioxide with some liquid methane, liquid ammonia, and occasional pockets of gaseous methane. He didn't mention the acid. Matt called it ink. Ido had told him to keep it confidential. Jared thought maybe a more sinister name would be more appropriate, considering the stuff was ruining his life. All this effort for extraction, all these excursions and testing for a catalyst. No one knows what exposure does to the techies or the miners. We ship it somewhere confidential that Ido handles personally. Yeah, what could possibly be wrong with that? Sure. Let's not spring that on her quite, quite so soon. The holoscope swooped in low to the station's position. Currently, he continued, we have less than 3% of the surface in stage 1 for a successful terraform event. This is approximately two years behind the original estimates for this operation. Which is, I'm sure, exactly what I told poor Darren right before his head was vacuumed into the great nothing. God, I hate this job. As the guild engineer assigned to this project, your responsibility will be determining the amount, composition, and timing of the atmospheric and implanted chemicals responsible for triggering a positive feedback loop consistent with changing the desert into grass. Jared paused and wondered if that actually came out as pompous as it sounded. Probably. Those might have been General Ido's exact phrasing to him when he accepted the command. He was pretty sure it was lifted verbatim out of the field manual. 
rat fuck hole of a planet. Everything you do goes through me. You don't get to operate on your own for anything. That last came out a little harsher than he had intended. He tried again. Uh, as you know, we've had a number of accidents resulting in two fatalities and several injuries. The first was a PFC from the mechanical section whose oxygen pump failed on our first excursion. All of the backup systems also failed, and every oxygen pump on the rescue team sled also failed. A record for this unit. He smiled bleakly. I've been informed that that has never happened on any Terra mission, ever. After that, Major Brinkley had killed himself, but he didn't really count as a fatality. Suicides went on a different form that didn't count against the overall safety numbers. Ironically, it was the easiest of the bureaucratic death forms to complete. Thank you, service, for your understanding. Jared continued, I was assigned to this position shortly after that initial accident. Because of it, I attended and personally supervised every excursion above ground in order to prevent any further accidents. But last month, he sighed and closed his eyes again, seeing the poor bastard. He tried again. Last month, our primary guild engineer was killed as he led the same surface excursion that killed PFC Maxwell. This planet doesn't like us, Engineer Singh, and now the unit thinks we're cursed, and most of the soldiers refuse to leave the bunkers above ground. He brought up another map of the subterranean tunnels. Our efforts below ground have been relatively successful. We've cut irrigation paths for future water sources, and any as any surface water would evaporate too quickly. And we're cultivating hydroponics that feed the facility, but as to our primary mission of making this rock an earth, we are behind and woefully ill-prepared, and it can't support the colony much longer. If we can't get something to grow on its own, we'll have to evacuate and try again somewhere else and leave the ink. There aren't that many places to go, however. We have no ships. It'll take months to clear this place, and we don't have any supplies for the evacuation itself. The girl didn't react to it. Jared rubbed a hand over his eyes. Stupid headache. Stupid idea. Stupid ink. Max seems to think that you're uniquely qualified to address this problem. I won't lie, Engineer, we kind of need a miracle to keep this rock viable. She nodded. He leaned back gingerly into the chair and shut off the hollow. I've taken the liberty of sending you all the previous reports and design strategies we've tried. The message also has all the existing climactic and geological conditions present here. I'd appreciate it if you would take a look and draw up a plan as early as next week. Her eyebrows went up. That's a pretty quick turnaround. We are on a deadline, Engineer. He pictured the evacuation schedules and all the money lost in abandoning the inkwells. Time matters. The plan doesn't have to be ready for construction, it just has to be something conceptual. Something we can try. A new starting point. We're kind of desperate. I understand, she said. Great, he said, suddenly exhausted. I'll let you get to it, then. Please contact me or Mac with any questions. I'll see you next week. Go ahead and send me a meeting invite to get on my calendar for your review. Understood. Dismissed. He waited until she left the office before he sagged to his desk and pillowed his head on his forearms. I hope she's all Mac says she is. All-star academy grad. Brilliant. Creative. Maybe she'll come through and just make this work. It's bad enough to have Ido up my ass every five minutes to make production of this stuff. If I can't find the catalyst, we can't keep the colony. Shit, I can't do this. Come on, Sing. I've got nothing left. Sing. Zero nine hundred, and I'm waiting on my new bosses. Late again. Goddamn brass. The soldiers should have at least been on time. D 
discipline and whatnot, but nope. Mac and the army guy were missing in action. I drummed my fingers on the table outside Major Dumbfuck's office, crossed and uncrossed my legs, amused myself by reviewing solvable quadratic equations. Blah, blah, blah. Boring. I looked at my watch. Again. 0915. Boring, boring, boring. There was a dim-sounding moan from Major Dumbfuck's office. Intriguing. Another muffled sound. I had knocked at the beginning of this morning's debacle, but since no one had answered, I assumed I'd been stood up. But perhaps that assumption was incorrect. I tried again, pushing the palm plate on the door. Ding. Welcome, Engineer Second Class Singh. You have been scheduled to meet with Major Jared Daniels this morning from 0900 to 0930. Thank you. The light went green and the door slid open to reveal... A drunken orgy, evidently, without the orgy part. The scent of ethanol sweat washed over me, choking in its intensity. Mac was sort of lying on the desk. Sort of, since he was so tall, most of his legs and back were actually braced on the office chair next to it. I assumed the other mostly dead body was the major. He seemed to be curled up in a disturbingly large fetal position between the floor and a large chair. This made me exceedingly happy. It was already so much better than the last job. Evidently, I'd assumed too much of Major Dumbfuck. He might be a real human being after all. I went after Mac first. A cup of water from the synthesizer at the wall delivered to the boss with all the gentleness of a waterfall. Poured onto his face, the water forced a grunt out of big black man, and he opened one eye in disgust. Good morning, I sang out in my cleanest, most innocent voice. Rise and shine, boss man. The brown eye immediately closed. Shut the fuck up, sing. I levered his legs to the ground and pulled his torso entirely into the chair so he was more or less sitting up straight. A second quick trip to the synthesizer resulted in coffee and a stolen towel from Major Dumbfuck's bathroom, both delivered to my new boss with a smile. I did note, a little bitterly, that the good Major got the full-size bathroom, not the single combined shower sink that was in my bunk. Officers with rank. Can't trust a lot of them. Come on, boss, I've got a nice cup of coffee here and a nice towel to get on your face this morning. He growled, but reached out with the coffee grunt. Well, one irresponsible boss seems to be back to the land of the living. I took a look at the good major. A sudden feeling of compassionate goodwill made me smile. Usually on the first day, my bosses spat out platitudes and corporate bullshit and admonishments to stop being difficult. Not a comedy hour. Today was going to be interesting, for once. Morning, Major. I wrapped my arms around him and was about to pull him up onto the chair when the world disappeared. One moment, I was standing in the wreck of his office, and the next, flame, fire and earth at the core of the planet. I could feel the heat and pressure ripping my skin and lungs apart, consuming my flesh in the mind-blowingly intense magma of a molten planetary core. I gasped in shock, dropped the Major, and was suddenly back in the office. Still, no fire, no pressure, just an office. What the fuck? No, 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 not again. Please don't tell me the hallucinations are back. I looked at the Major, hoping against hope that he was doing something. That it wasn't me. That I wasn't crazy. I'm not crazy. It's been almost a year since this had happened. Not now. The Major was young, not even 30. Brown hair, tall, looked like any other soldier I'd ever seen. Nothing special. Nothing interesting. Did he do that to me? Is it that goddamn implant again? I'd ripped it out the first time after hearing people's thoughts, when I wasn't supposed to, and seeing the atomic structure of water. 
actually seeing the molecules sliding past themselves at 104 degrees separation. Add that to the weird scenes of the Earth eating people and being consumed by flames. I'm going to have to rip this one out, too. Hal, you stupid thing, run a diagnostic. Ding. Diagnostic in process. I shook my head and took a deep breath, closing my eyes to lose the sensation of burning to death. It was most disconcerting. I'd been free of the bad hallucinations since Nightingale. But why the return to crazy? What the fuck is wrong with me? Turning back to the Major, I wrapped my arms around him again, pausing to see if any further weirdness resulted, and then dragged him into the chair. I eyed him suspiciously. He moaned pitifully. No wonder. He'd been cramped in possibly the most uncomfortable uncomfortable position ever, and made little pain noises as I stretched him up. Still, no intelligence response. I got more water and took the towel from Mac, who was staring into the coffee cup as if it were the face of God. Water went into Major Dumbfuck's face and coffee went on the desk next to him, but no response. I knelt down in front of him, the better to peer at him, checking for pupil dilation or some resemblance of consciousness. The man was out, slack-jawed, hollowed eyes, out. I pressed a hand against his forehead and got the strong impression that he had drunk way too much and was planning on doing it again and often. Unbidden came the thoughts. Emotional trauma, increased adrenal activity in frontal lobe, significant reduction in serotonin levels, dehydrated. Hmm, looks like he had jaw surgery. Mandibular implant is 0.2 microns off adjustment. I snatched my hand back. Oh, come on. Seriously? I'm not crazy. I'm not. The old fear, dormant for years, woke up and sat in my throat. My hand looked normal. I was reasonably sure I wasn't insane. Still, two weird experiences centered on the major. Goddamn implants. Throw me a bone, please, and just keep the crazy locked down for a little while longer. I don't have time to deal with this again. Crazy later, work now. Babysitting two drunks was not in the cards for today. It would be a long, painful assignment if all I did was sit in my bunk rereading old books or in a mess hall filled with shy freaks who were never going to be able to hold a conversation. Up and at him, kitten, I said to the major. Squatting deep, I pulled the man over my shoulders and pressed up. That deep well of strength in my core opened just a little, and I felt a moment's pleasure in being stronger than just about everyone else. Being a freak was totally useful and fun, sometimes anyway, when you're not going crazy. I dumped Major Dumbfuck in his beautifully luxurious shower and blasted cold water on him. He was stubborn. It took a solid ten seconds for him to realize he was wet and freezing. When he started to stir, I went to turn off the water, but was waved away. No, he croaked. Leave it. It feels good. Thanks. I nodded. He looked normal. Gentler, somehow, than most of the service officers I'd met. But looks can be deceiving. Something about him had woken up my hallucinations, and that was bullshit. I felt like I was walking a tightrope over an abyss most days, and threatening madness just made the rope shake. Hard. Made me nervous. Out of control. I didn't like being out of control. He let his head sag against the wall, cupping his hands to lave his face with the cool water. Just... Uh, give me a second. I'm sorry for this. You just caught us at a rough time. He rubbed his face. Oh. Fuck me, it's always a rough time. Just just give me a second. I'll be right in. Smoke him if you got him. Fair enough. I left and seated myself in his office, staring out at the desert through the reinforced windows. It was pretty. Wild. Restless. I moved around the office, touching his things, noting all the real books. 
obviously things he'd collected or had printed specifically on recycled cloth paper. The luxurious feel of paper made me sigh a little in nostalgia as I pulled a few books off the shelves. History, politics, humanities mostly. A couple field manuals lay abused on his desk. In the corner, in an improvised chemistry set of some kind, there was an ignored flask of black liquid. There was a crusty ring on the edge of the flask, so it had probably been there for a while. I stuck my face down to the flask level. Something about it seemed familiar. Not oil or petroleum product. There was sort of an iridescence to it that made me think of rainbows trapped in obsidian. It was pretty. I picked up the flask and something like light flashed in it. Spontaneous chemiluminescence, I thought, suddenly interested. That's pretty rare. I wonder if it's got a quantum light signature. I heard motion from the bathroom and hastily put the flask down hard, sloshing a little onto my hand. I froze, waiting for a reaction or a burn or something, but nothing happened. I rubbed it on my uniform and quickly seated myself back across the desk, innocently looking out towards the desert. Oh, he moved slowly towards his chair, leaning on furniture as he passed by it, and sat with a little exhale of relief. Thank you, engineer second class, for your patience. I wholeheartedly apologize for the nature of your welcome. Please be assured that your presence is deeply appreciated. We need your expertise. He took a slow breath in, as if it hurt. I was amused and tried to keep quiet. He's having a rough day. The least I can do is give him some quiet. It was still funny. Oh, very well. Let's get started. He brought up a 3D image of the planet that rotated slowly over his desk. A monochromatic image of the desert from outside hovered over his desk. I leaned forward, feeling my interest caught. Something special is about to happen. I could feel it. If you will please direct your attention to the planet. A week. A fucking week to restart the heart of a planet. Men are the worst. I'd gone through all the documents line by line, reviewed all the technical guidance from every field manual and textbook on the web, everything. There was no reason the Terra shouldn't have worked. There's got to be something missing, some reaction that's not accounted for in the standard documents. I'm missing something. I tried to go after a couple of the techs. No luck. The men were straight up not interested in talking or interacting. People literally left the room when I entered. No one seemed interested in getting the mission back up and running. Even Mac was... weird. Look, Singh, I don't know what you want. I'm not a Terra engineer. You are. Yeah, I'm sure there's something interacting with the chemicals or whatever. But you've seen Terras before, right? I mean, you were a chief engineer. They're on basically all of the mining operation planets. This one is weird, right? Yeah, it's weird. He shrugged and went back to his computer. His tiny office shook with the vibration of the drill below. But I don't know anything. There's rock. There's chemicals. There's a big-ass generator that does something, and then poof, the planet is green. It's all magic to me anyway. As far as I can tell, you Terra people didn't sacrifice, a, didn't sacrifice a goat to the gods or whatever, so now it doesn't work. I rolled my eyes. Come on, Mac. You've been down here for years. What's different here than any other job you've worked? He leaned his sharp chin into his hand and gave me a mournful look. Sing, buddy, the reason I hired you was so that I didn't have to work on Terra problems. Seriously, all that biology and chemistry makes my head hurt. It's like politics or relationships. A bunch of qualitative bullshit that just confuses and frightens me. He patted the slender schematic of the pipe network for the new inkwell. See? 
This is rational. It makes sense. There's a defined goal with a defined problem and a defined solution. You just have to make all the numbers line up. This is all I want in the whole world, Sing. Please, go away. A germ of an idea started in my brain, and I took the schematic from him, remembering the black liquid chemiluminescence in Daniel's office. Mac, I said slowly, who's our field chemist for ink testing? Hmm? Ink? We don't have one. Ink goes straight into containment for transport. Isn't that weird? Like, don't we usually have quality controls or at least testing for recovered product? He shrugged. Who cares? It's one less guy I have to pay and listen to bitch. Instructions from Daniels and I assume Ido. No field characterizations. Just tank it and send it. Who's Ido? Matt gave me a surprised look, actually taking his attention from his computer for a minute. You're kidding, right? General Ido? Big name dude, runs all terraforming operations, makes corporate want to spit every time he shows up. He's been stealing contracts and sucking up operations in this sector for years. He has to be one of the richest fucks in the galaxy. Uh, never heard of him. Uh, you've been living under a rock, kiddo, said Mac, almost in wonder. He's Daniels' boss. Drives him like a sled dog. Sucks to be Daniels. So, anyway, about the ink. Do you know where I can get some data on it? Does Daniels have it? Mac went back to his computer. Nope. Nobody does. As far as I know, it just goes into the tank and off-planet Ricky Tick. Mac, I want some of that ink. I've never seen it anywhere else. It's got to be the missing chemical interaction. Especially if it's got quantum properties or chemical signaling capabilities. Yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever. Just head down to the well. The boys spray it everywhere when they put the new caps on the pipe systems. You could probably just wring out your shirt and get a viable sample. I frowned. Well, that doesn't sound very safe. What if this stuff is toxic? He shrugged. Daniel said it was okay. Said Ido had it cleared by some doctor or something. With what data? He gave me an exasperated look. Hey, look, sing, go away. Go steal a kit from the biolabs and take your stupid sample. I don't care. No one's been hurt. The ink doesn't do anything to you, and I got a new pipe configuration to get down to the drillers by tomorrow, or we'll lose production on the well. Ain't nobody got time for your shit. If you want to do something, just go do it. You're a huge help. He waved me away. This is why we hired you. Go away. Mac was right. The boys sprayed ink like rain when the new caps went on. One of them, Billy, from my introduction walk, actually stuck his hand into the pipe with my little flask to pull out some of the pooled material into it. Billy, I said, what are you doing? Don't touch it. He looked down and then back at me. Why, miss? It's harmless. Well, we don't have data. He laughed me off and handed me the flask. I had gloves on and a chemical containment wipe I'd stolen from the biolab. I took it gingerly. It flashed with that odd rainbow light again as I touched it. Billy's eyebrows went up. Never seen him do that before. See, I said, safety first. Put your gloves on. He gave me a mock salute. Several hours later, after running it through a whole bunch of characteristic tests, I realized I was looking at LSD, a hallucinogen. But it was LSD with something else, an organic compound that didn't look like a natural al the natural alkaloids that went into the standard LSD. A folded protein of some kind bound to the acid that prevented the hallucinogenic effect, and it seemed to have some kind of regenerative property or imitative property when exposed to biological materials. I dropped a little of my blood into the mixture and saw the proteins fold themselves to mimic the blood cell shape and the LSD link into new, unfamiliar patterns. Reactive patterns. As if it was waiting for something. 
Ooh. I leaned back into my chair. We're mining rivers of LSD? Of mutated LSD? That can't be a thing. But the protein mimicry on the ends of the acid interacted with biological systems in a way I didn't understand, and the acid itself might prevent nutrient uptake or artificially select for enzyme production in a way that would interfere with biological activity. It looks like a prion. A prion on acid. No, that's impossible, right? I had an answer, even if no one would talk to me about it. And the material seemed to be mostly dormant, so it should be all right. If we avoided starting Terra anywhere near the ink, keep generator power away from it, maybe even use a benzodiazepine mixture in the chemical seeding bed to prevent biological uptake or reduce the effects. I stared at the opaque liquid sitting quietly in its flask. A protein built of this mutant acid, all curled up, waiting for something. A protein that can fold itself into any shape it comes in contact with. Like a little sentient constrained peptide. A shape-shifting, self-propagating biological mimic. Impossible. So why does it feel so familiar? I turned the flask around in my hand and watched the multicolored light flashes at the points where my fingers contacted the glass. Temperature and electrically responsive. Why do I feel like I know this thing? You think it's the ink? Daniels looked at me incredulously. There's no way. It's inert. Ido specifically had it checked out by his personal team. I handed him the chemical characteristics report, and he handed it back. You know I can't read that shit. I took it back and tried not to roll my eyes. It's got to be the ink, I said. There's nothing else that would interfere with the seeding soup and the electrical generation except for this stuff. I've been through the literature. It's the best candidate. He glared at me. Who gave you authority to sample the ink, anyway? I thought I told you you had to get approval through me for anything. I raised an eyebrow. You wanted results in a week for a catastrophic problem. Fuck approvals. I had an idea. I tested it. I'm pretty sure I'm right. We can add a Benny to the soup and try the Terra again. Benzodiazepines are supposed to decrease biological responses to traditional drugs, so it might help with this mutated version. He looked skeptical. Come on, Daniels, we're mining rivers of acid, and you're nervous about adding a few extra bits to the Terra kit? Ido would have said something, he muttered. Well, maybe he did, and you didn't understand it, I said, a little cruel, but running out of patience. You're a history guy, as you keep reminding me. Or maybe you were drunk. Watch yourself, Singh. I'm still your commanding officer. No backtalk permitted. Besides, we've been trying to Terra and Arrows without ink for months. Still no success. I started to get excited. But that was on the surface, right? He nodded. Look, we've been going about this all wrong. You guys keep trying to change the surface atmosphere and liquid water first. I could feel the energy opening up in my brain and showing me pictures of what could be. My breath rushed a little faster. I pulled out the concept drawing I'd worked up in Mac's office that morning and excitedly pointed excitedly to the second page. That's backwards. We changed the earth first. That changes the atmo. Granted, it'll take a little longer, but here's the best part. We can do the mods underground. I held out my hands in excitement, expecting to see some expression on Daniel's face. Nope. He might have fallen back asleep for all the interest he gave me. I shook him a little, and he reared back in surprise and distaste. I ignored it, caught up in the idea. Hey, do you see the implications here? Look, no exposure to toxic environments, full control of the underground environment using a secondary digging crew, maximizing profits from running true drill sites at opposing directions, minimizing terraforming costs, and 
I paused for effect. No soldiers required. I sat back in triumph. Daniel's face did not have the appropriate level of impressed on it, so I tried again. No soldiers. The diggers, the laborers who do this work every day, safely and efficiently, will do the big work. It'll just take a couple of equipment modifications to seed the biology underground with the new chemical components, I'll add. And then the tunnels will become natural pathways instead of waste sites. We get a two-for-one deal. Where we used to dump slag from the ore processing, now we can seed ecological communities, cut water paths for it to grow around, and allow biology to do its thing without ever exposing ourselves to the atmosphere. If it fails to reach the surface, we can just modify the underground tunnels to support life. Easy. We win either way. Daniels was looking at me with vague confusion. But that's totally against what the manual says we have to do. He rooted around and dumped a dog-eared copy of the FM on top of the drawings. Look, the book says we have to start above ground. I tried very hard not to show my contempt. I know what it says, sir. But with all due respect, it's not working. It's a bad plan. It was designed for a different planet type, and the service just slapped it together for a Class D without any background or significant modification. And no one considered the ink impact on biology, because near as I can tell, it doesn't exist anywhere else in the universe. At least, not discovered yet. I pushed away the FM and pointed to the tunnel schematic again. Look at this plan. Really look at it. I put my hands on either side of the diagram. We use the same techniques we've been using to make more money, use fewer people, and take a waste stream and turn it into, a bug, into bug food. It's a 99% complete positive feedback loop that will allow us to terraform the planet's skin from the bottom to the top, from the inside out, instead of from the top down. And you still get to produce the ink. Maybe even more of it. No response. Oh, look, see, you've been to Old Earth, right? He nodded. I pulled out my electronic reader. Hal, please display Mammoth Cave, South Central Kentucky, USA. With a little ding, a picture of the cave system popped up on the tablet. I showed it to Daniels. Here, look, this is Mammoth Cave. It's almost 800 square kilometers, with over 640 kilometers of tunnels full of some of the most ecologically diverse microbial systems on Earth. And they all survived the cataclysm. You see? We can grow a whole planet of fungi, microbes, trophic levels underneath the rock and build our atmosphere down here. The critters will scrub the air, provide food, clean water, generate an oxygen base for other plants. All we have to do is give them a start with our digging setup. It'll just be a chemo-regulated system, not a thermo-regulated system. Well, and, and we do have to give them a start with our digging setup and make sure their shikamati pathways don't explode from the acid. I sat back proudly. Daniel seemed to be having a hard time processing the news that he wouldn't have to send anyone out into a toxic atmosphere to face imminent death. He rubbed his temples. Okay, yes, I see the appeal, but the whole point is that we need to make this livable for a colony. A whole bunch of humans. We can't have a whole bunch of humans living underground. <sighs> I had to take a deep breath to keep from banging my head into the side of his desk. God save me from slow bureaucrats. It's like watching glaciers melt to see some understanding here. Yes, sir, I understand that. A first-order colonial expedition is never more than a thousand people. That's it. I made a little head shake to say, obviously, sheesh. This plan will easily support that. We have a 3,000-person crew here now, 1,000 of whom will work in the deeps without any strain on our oxygen scrubbers. We can easily augment with machines until the bugs and fungi establish. By the time the planet has a greater, popula greater population, 
They can either cut more tunnels or they can do some genetic engineering to put plants on the surface like we had originally planned. We can gradually move it from the caves to the surface. Only this time we can start artificially selecting for strains that survive near or near the surface, resistant strains bred and born to higher levels of ink, ammonia, hydrogen sulfide, and can survive lower densities atmospheric pressures. You see, as long as they metabolize as oxygen as a byproduct, it'll give us a base to start with and let biology get a foothold and then help start a positive feedback cycle that will result in an atmospheric trans transition. I stopped. Oh, and we'll double our ink production, so you'll make filthy amounts of money. He looked at me a little shocked. A slow dawn of understanding started to move across his face. This could work? I nodded. How do you know it will? I gave a short bark of laughter. I don't. Not really. But it's the best we've got. We're desperate and out of time anyway. What do you have to lose? Besides, I'm kind of a big deal. You know I helped write the original terraforming process documents ten years ago, right? I smiled at his little catch of surprise. Yeah, I was the environmental engineer assigned to test out the first terraforming and colonization process at Rydal Cantaris IV. I literally wrote your manual over there, at considerable personal cost, may I add. I was getting pretty sick of that slack-jawed, confused look on his face. I've got stuff to do. I stood up. Look, Daniels, you gotta get your shit together. I know that you don't want this job and that it seems hard and awful, but honestly, you letting your soldiers sit in a depressive state of insubordination is a bunch of bullshit. The way we were doing things doesn't work. You have a whole unit of terrified, bored, poorly prepared tech soldiers that all need to go somewhere else. Transfer them all, get some civilians in here, and let's try a real plan instead of pulling answers out of the book like a bunch of idiots. You're the head honcho. Act like it. You have Mac. You have a whole bunch of smart civilians that can make this plan work. Get it together. I turned to walk out before something occurred to me. Oh, and maybe you should actually read my credentials sometime. You might trust me a little more when we have our next conversation. Daniels. Well, I was moderately traumatic. Arrogant bitch of a woman. Daniels rubbed his temples and tried to get his brain reasonably functional. She was like an exposed electrical system, vaguely dangerous, highly charged, and important for something. He just couldn't understand the words coming out of her mouth. Why the fuck did Ida send me here, he thought, again, for the millionth time. There has to be a bio-nerd with rank somewhere in the service that would be better than me. Anyone would do. Any grad student from any university would probably be better than me. Why haven't I been fired yet? His comm station beeped plaintively. Incoming message from General S. Ido. Jared groaned and threw a hand over his face. Well, the day is still young. Maybe I'll get lucky, and today is the final day he cans me. The little red light on the comm kept flashing red, and his personal interface blinked the accept button onto his glasses. He hesitated. So much yelling. Fine, let's get this over with. Except, he thought at his personal assistant. Immediately, the comm displayed Ido's thick face and irate expression. Sir, good morning. It's not a fucking good morning, Daniel, said Ido, pacing back and forth in front of the screen. It's three in the afternoon here, and I see nothing but bad news coming out of Explorer. Material production is down, another request for resupply from Nightingale, another request for equipment upgrades. Ido slammed his fist into something just beyond the camera. And the worst of it is, you still haven't found the catalyst. I need a process, Daniels. I need something I can write down and sell to make this stuff profitable. 
Jared tried to keep his face calm. Sir, you have access to the best labs, the best scientists. There's no way a tiny field outpost is going to be able to compete with that. We're still looking at interactions, but I don't have anyone, and you won't let me test the stuff to do anything useful. I didn't hire you for excuses, Major. I hired you to keep Explorer running and get me some answers. And looking at your monthly numbers here, you can barely keep the base alive. 6,000 tons of liquid water requested? 6,000? Are your recycle facilities broken? Do you even know how to run an operation like this? No, thought Jared. I don't, and you know it. I understand, sir, but we had to bring on another corporate labor team to support in production, and the ground here is... Shut up, Daniels. Ido threw himself into his chair behind the monstrosity of a desk Jared remembered well. What's the plan? What are you doing to make your numbers? I have a new guild engineer, Jared said, relieved to finally be able to answer his boss. At least it'll give him something new to yell at me about. She's an academy grad, prior service. Evidently she wrote a, the book on full-scale terror operations for remote locations like this one. She's got an idea that the ink is interfering with the original seeding soup, which is what's killing the terror event. The what? Jared cleared his throat. He hated saying the full name of the acid, but Ido refused to understand if he used layman's language. Excuse me, the mutated lysergic acid di... Dieth diethylamide. Oh, he spit the last bit out with a little relief. She says there's some kind of biological trigger or something that could prevent sustained growth. Ida was quiet. Too quiet. How would she know that? He asked finally. Jared felt like he'd made a misstep. She'd tested the ink. The data. He drew himself up as straight as possible. I'm sorry, sir, but she did sample and test the ink. We needed to take drastic steps to understand what the real problem was. You were under strict instructions, Major. No testing. No characterization. This information was classified. Uh, yes, sir, I understand, but we had to... There are two people authorized to see the chemical composition of this material. Two. Are you one of them? No, sir. You'll be lucky if I don't bring you up on court-martial proceedings, Major. Is this woman cleared for top-secret material? Is she vetted? How do you know this information will remain secure? Jared cleared his throat and felt his palms sweat. What is this stuff? Why does Ido need it so bad? She is cleared for project work, sir. She had an idea, and frankly, it's the only new idea we've got, and we're running out of time. So far, I'm actually a little impressed. She does get results. Her name is Akasha Singh, and she... What? Well, she has a plan that... No, go back. What's her name? Akasha Singh. Ida's face had gone completely still. Stand by, Major. The screen clicked off and the interface went dead in Jared's mind. There was a long pause. Then the connection was restored in a rush. Ido's flushed face came back onto the console. Approved. You'll have whatever resources you require to speed up this attempt. Any response Jared might have had died. What? Get her whatever she needs. You need a new Terra kit? I believe your generator is still functioning, correct? Fine. I'll send the rest of the seeding material by emergency transport immediately. Whoa, sir. What's going on? Who is this girl? Jared hadn't seen this look on his boss's face before. Something anticipatory, maybe. Something that made a tiny shot of fear surge from his groin to his gut to his spinal cord. Ida was taking this way too seriously. No one, Ida said. It's none of your business. 
Keep her on that rock, Daniels. She doesn't leave or I'll toss you on the nearest penal colony and leave you to die. No matter what happens, she stays right there, on Explorer. Additionally, Ido reached behind him to type something into a data pad. You will transmit weekly reports to this communications address. All of this is to be considered top secret, and you will not share any of this information with anyone for any reason. Is that understood? Sir, is that understood? Yes, sir, understood. I wish you'd tell me what's actually going on, though. You don't need to know. The girl has authority issues. Keep an eye on her, but don't interfere with anything she does. Ido paused for a moment. Including medical aid. Don't give it. She's not to be given any medical attention for any reason. Sir, that's outrageous. Daniels, I didn't ask for your opinion. Do you understand the instructions you've been given? Well, yeah, but that'll be all, Major. Thank you. The comm clicked out and the interface terminated in Jared's head, shutting down the line. What the fuck was that? Her personnel file was fairly innocuous. There was a lot of it. Jared scanned through several notes and letters posted by various supervisors with a general sense of admiration for her complete inability to get along anywhere. 2114, assigned to STEM Joint Academy, genetically suitable for modifications. Blah, 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 he continued reading. Graduated top of class, specializing in environmental science and engineering, minor in microbiology, exhibited social dysfunction, performance stress, high tolerance for pain, but all were within normal parameters, approved for service. Estimated expectation of performance life, 20 years. That last sentence made him pause. What does that mean? I've never seen a performance life estimate in a personnel file. He continued skimming. Approved for regular duty, blah, blah. Selected for one of ten experimental colonization missions as environmental engineer, secondary pilot, Rigel Kentaris Four. Developed procedures and policies for Class C planets as part of Team Daedalus. Joint services, rank, first lieutenant. Great. So far, nothing terribly remarkable. Oh, here we are. He scrolled to a new section of the file. 2130, wounded in service, honorable discharge, transfer to Guild STEM Operations, Nightingale Base, engineer second class, environmental engineer, geology. Developed living systems and managed environmental systems for base. Created new hydrogen extraction methods and fuel generation from passive silica hydrogen reaction. Ugh. Whole bunch of scientific gobbledygook followed that last one. He skimmed over it. Interesting. Looks like she got promoted and transferred to Earth. Joint Services Team Terra. Specialized in remediation activities specifically geared to restoring water quality. Reprimanded for insubordination. Please see attached document. Jared tried to link to the attached document, but it was broken or had never been uploaded. Hmm. It's weird. Looks like she was re reprimanded again in 2134. Reprimand for insubordination, dereliction of duty. Please see attached document. Hmm. This link worked and brought up another novel of her bad choices. Page after page of research, patents, reports, a whole sea of information from this woman. And there were pages of reprimands, formal documentation of insubordination, refusals of medical attention, and it just went on and on. Either her former commanders were all idiots, or she was a gigantic pain in the ass. Probably both. Whoever she pissed off with this last assignment made sure to punish her. The guy had found the station with the lowest safety rating and dumped her with a non-promote code in literally the depths of the earth. She sure knows how to make friends. 
and the medical information on her was just confusing. Maybe she's schizophrenic, Jared thought. Thumbing through the comments, he found, Complaints of hearing communications through implants, removed implant manually, removed implant manually again, refuses to engage in social situations, refused psychotropic medication, refused antidepressant treatment, refused medical attention to class 4 concussion and brain trauma. It just kept going on. Good grief. He opened one of the reprimands. I. Engineer first class, please state your name for the record. S. Akasha Singh. I. Engineer Singh, why did you feel it necessary to steal three million credits worth of equipment and set up your own testing system on the far side of the base without prior approval from your supervisor? S. Because my supervisor was ignoring the data, and if I could just get these results, I'd be able to conclusively demonstrate that we were following a completely bogus line of inquiry that may have put people at risk. The life support system modifications he was proposing we approved would have killed anyone who turned them on. I. Engineer Singh, why did you not address this through formal and approved methods? S. Because the approved methods are completely ineffective, slow, and my supervisor told me I'd be fired if I went above his head. I. So instead you stole a bunch of equipment and wrote a paper instead? Published publicly without proper legal authority and review? S. Yes. Jared whistled under his breath and opened the next one. To Major John Y. Hadar Station, Team NGC 5316 Alpha. It is my formal opinion that Engineer First Class Singh is a liability to this unit. She has several documented instances of bypassing approved authority and publishing classified data without approval. Please see attachment. She has continuously shared data with non-approved sources and has, on several occasions, completely disregarded direct orders. After removing her from authority over the labor teams and moving her into the research and development labs, we discovered that she'd taken it upon herself to build organic nanobots that ended up completely destroying the lab, over 20 million in fuel ore and someone's pet parakeet. The total damage for this unauthorized use of equipment was well in excess of 170 million. She has no place at this station, and I'm requesting her immediate demotion and transfer off this base. Tom Delahunt, Engineer First Class Administration. Or the next one. Private conversation between Engineer First Class Brian Imran and Major Michael Johnson. B.I. I know you told me to give this woman a chance, but she's a total nut job. Yes, she's brilliant, but she has no respect for any of us, and if we tell her no, she just goes and does it anyway. She hacked the lab system so she could run remote tests using an HMI and her implant, for God's sakes. MJ. I know. I know she's a little tough to get on with, but seriously, her ideas are good. Give her as much freedom as you can. She'll work with you, I promise. Hell, I told you what a train wreck our mission was until I figured out that the woman just needed to be left alone. B.I. I can't, though. That's the thing. We have contract lawyers and service assholes crawling all over us. I need her to lock it down and do what needs to be done. Not go behind my back to spend money and energy we can't afford. Why can't she just do what I tell her? MJ. Chuckle. I know the feeling. I ended up punching her in the face, and that actually seemed to help things. She did start following instructions after that. B.I. Come on, man. Don't joke. MJ. No, I'm serious. I punched her unconscious. It's kind of funny now. Uh, not at the time, I guarantee you, but it did help get rid of some of the bullshit between us. 
Look, it's none of my business, but just drop rank, get her away from the service guys. I mean, she hates them with a deep, abiding passion that may or may not be justified. And just explain what you need from her. Then leave her alone. I'm telling you, that's the only way you'll get anything out of her. B.I. No way. It's the damn principal. I'm her friggin' supervisor. Don't I have enough to deal with without her being difficult? M.J. I'm just saying I know her pretty well, and she's more than stubborn enough to screw you over no matter what it costs her just on principle. Transmission pause. B.I. I hate this woman. Oh, great, Jared thought, pausing over the last communication. Susie Sunshine is all mine. This Major Johnson guy, though, he might be worth talking to. Johnson seemed to be the only one with anything good to say about her, and maybe the only supervisor she w has been able to tolerate. It might be worth a note to him to get a feel for her. Jared triggered his implant to search the service database. Maybe the major was still around and up for a conversation. The wind cannot shake a mountain. Neither praise nor blame move the wise man. He is clarity. Hearing the truth, he is like a lake, pure and tranquil and deep. Want nothing. Where there is desire, say nothing. Happiness or sorrow, whatever befalls you, walk on. Buddha, the Dhammapada. Sing. I was back on Rigel Kantaras floor. The newly formed terra landscape was stretched out in front of us in odd streaks of dark green and gold against the dull gray of the native planet. High concentrations of methane in the atmosphere had turned the world a lovely blue-purple as the sun set. We need to give it a name. Michael was standing next to me, not touching, but so close and comforting. I nodded. I'm terrible at naming things, he said. Besides, I'm terrible at naming things, I said. Besides, you're the captain. Isn't that your privilege? He smiled at me and held my hand. I felt that deep sense of contentment and happiness wash over me again. It seemed to be happening an awful lot lately. What about Bob? I looked up at him, teasing. The soft light eased the wrinkles and scarring and made him look almost innocent. He was barely thirty, but a lifetime of command and hardship puts lines on your face in a hurry. He snorted at me. We are not naming the planet Bob. Didn't you see that in a movie? He moved behind me and wrapped arms around me. Plagiarism, how dare you? We were all alone, and I could feel him all up and down the back of my body, sort of a tingling hum even when he wasn't touching me. Soft kisses along my neck as hands moved to my hips and I turned to face him. When we'd first done this, he was young. The face in my dream was now older, more tired, harder. It's you, I said, skimming my fingers along his jaw. You came back. I wrapped my arms around his neck and felt broad shoulders, still muscled like I remembered, but now softened with age and responsibility. I never left. Don't you remember? He slid his cheek against mine and sighed. You were the one who left. He was holding me as if I was the only thing holding him upright, and he seemed so tired as he buried his head in my neck. You didn't have to go. None of it was your fault. You didn't have to leave me. For a second, Rigel Kintara's Ford disappeared, and I saw the flush of an airlock, the screams, the bodies, and the guilt washed over me again. I shuddered, and Michael's hands immediately moved in little soothing circles on my skin. I'm sorry, honey. I shouldn't have said anything. I miss you, though. I miss you every day. I hate that this is all we have left. His voice, that deep rumbling sound that I could feel in my stomach, was hypnotic. 
I remember I used to lie with my head on his chest just to feel that rumble. It made me ache to remember that. I couldn't stay and you couldn't leave, I said. It was the right thing to do. But I, I do miss you. I felt tears moving down my face. I couldn't stop them. He smelled like ocean salt and sun-warmed wood, always had. With his lips on mine, my body remembered what we'd had. It hurt, deeply, profoundly. A mix of loneliness, loss, and sorrow for the man I loved and would never see again. I woke up. Fuck. I scrubbed my face and felt the tears coming. The first couple years on Nightingale, I'd had these realistic dreams about him every night. It just made the loneliness and loss worse, especially considering that I didn't even know who he was. Oh, maybe I just made up an imaginary friend to pretend I still have some sort of human connection, I thought. Still, imaginary or not, I missed him something awful. It sure feels like he's real. Alone, in the dark, I sat in my bunk and cried. Because what else could I do? Mac's office, now my office as well, was covered in the ghost drawings of 3D CAD. I could dimly hear the rough sounds of machinery breathing, but whatever dampener they had on sonic discharges worked like a charm. Mac was off somewhere breaking heads, and I was sitting with 33 terabytes of data on the tunnels. Chemical compositions, distances, geological formations, the works. I had maybe exaggerated to Daniels about how well this plan would go, but I get like that. I can just see what needs to happen, and I know that the data will back me up. Somehow. Maybe. If I can finagle the thing into telling me what I want to hear. Right now, there was some serious finagling required. Though, fortunately, Daniels hadn't seemed to care much. Just get it done, he'd said, all cold and efficient. You're cleared for whatever you need. Generator's here, soup's on the way. Do whatever you need to do. We go live as soon as you can. Just like that. No more discussion. No more proof. Free reign. When has that happened before? But the design was going well. Smoothly, almost. Like I already knew where everything should go, I just had to put it on paper for the tech crew to implement. Easiest design in my career, I thought, almost in wonder. I made another little note on the specifications for one of the biologists to look at. It feels like I've done this exact design before, actually. I switched to the feedstock chemical projections for the initial Terra trigger event. Maybe using Monod's kinetic reaction isn't appropriate. That's for TerraCalcs, class C. What if I used a modified version of the Rose equation to match more of a head-loss bed reaction? Hey, you! Hockey guy from the first day's meeting was standing in front of my desk looking pissed. What? It took a second for my eyes to adjust from staring at the tiny squiggles of equations and microbial loading numbers to see the thug staring at me like I stole his wallet. What's this bullshit about you wanting to put drill on, pull drill operations away from fuels and put them into terraforming? Wow, I thought. Word gets around quick. It's just an idea. Uh, what's your name? Who are you? Why are you standing in my office yelling at me before most people have had their first cup of coffee? He thrust out his chest a little, and I almost winced. Jesus, every man in charge of anything always has the same reactions. So boring. Hockey guy stuck out his thumbs and jabbed them back into his Kevlar chest plate. I'm the drill superintendent, that's who, and you're not taking my equipment. I got a quota to maintain, and I'm not dealing with some girly uptopper who's never worked a day in her life. You don't know shit about this operation, and you want to pull my gear for some harebrained notion? No, the answer's no. 
He crossed his arms like that was the end of it. I sighed, a long, long sigh, and leaned back in my chair. Right, I said. Thank you for clearing that up for me, stud. Here's the thing. I'd be buying you a new rig and paying you for use of the labor. You could hire another crew and charge me for the replacement of those upgrades you were bitching about, and double your production. The hockey guy looked confused. I kept going. I take it whoever you talked to didn't mention that part? He looked down, embarrassed. He mumbled something like, well, no, I didn't hear that bit. I sat back. Right, so how about you keep your temper, talk to me like a person, and get off your high horse. I'm not taking anything away from you, and I would appreciate a little civility. In my own fucking office, no less. The guy turned red and stuck out his hand awkwardly. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Name's Brendan. See Brendan. I stood up and shook his hand. Great. Name's Singh. Glad to meet you. Let me work on some budget estimates. I'll hit you up when we're ready to talk real numbers. You get me an estimate for your second rig and your labor costs, I'll hook you up. Anything else you want, too. I have a blank check here to make friends with. Hey, okay. Okay, yeah, look, I'm sorry about that. We just aren't used to, well, anything working out for us. You, you know what I mean? He looked like an abused puppy. The terraformers get all the main goods, and we're left with just whatever the budget has, and you know what corporate is like with a budget. Not like those service guys. Corporate actually counts their money. I know, I know. Brandon, here's a way to spread the wealth and let me keep from killing off Tex. It's win-win. He smiled, showing off his missing front teeth. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. No, hey, I got a temper and all, but seriously, like, welcome to the deeps. You're gonna love it here. Oh, fuck me, I thought. He was standing there, confused about what to do next. What is it about working men that makes them incapable of having any social grace? Oh, wait, who am I to talk? Uh, yes, I asked him. Did you have something else for me? I know you must be swamped in the pit. He nodded, didn't say anything, didn't leave. Oh, God save me from these children. Uh, no, ma'am, well, I'm just glad you're here, I guess. Mac works too hard, and they give him all the worthless help they can. <laughs> they gave me to him, after all. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. Just, you know, glad they gave him somebody different is all. He hawed and turned a little red. Right. Yeah. My fucking foreman took a sick day, so I ought to get back. He coughed and just left, letting the door bang open behind him. I got up and closed it as much as possible. Awkward. Jesus Christ. I guess that's what happens when the deepest conversation you have all day is swearing at a front-end loader. I looked back to the drawings. No, the Rose equation is all wrong. What else do I have in here? Hal, find me something I can work with. We will see you next week, everyone. Thank you.